Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome. Thanks so much, Matt. Matt, before you go, buddy, hey, I don't know if you knew this. You probably did, uh, Matt, know this. This isn't in our notes or in our plan. I'm putting Matt on the spot. This is a big day. And Matt doesn't know it's a big day, but it's a big day because today is the 10th anniversary of our friendship on Facebook. So, man, I, I mean, should we, we should like, hey, it's nice. <laughs> That's, you didn't get me anything? Oh, man, I got you a job. All right. Uh, sorry, buddy. Hey, how are you guys? Hello. Church planning's fun. Uh, it's always an adventure. Today, I have a couple of announcements before we jump in. That's the first one. Next Saturday, we're going to be here. Not Sunday, but Saturday. Not Sunday. Why? Because some of you care, maybe most of you don't, uh, that the Super Bowl's next Sunday. And so I don't even want to be here. Uh, so we won't be here on Sunday. We will be here Saturday, same exact time at 4.30. We'd love to have you. So Saturday, we will be here. Oh, there's a clock on my iPad. Duh. I don't need you. So Saturday at 4.30, we'll be right here. We're continuing this series that we're in the middle of. Um, so love for you to come, invite somebody, be a part of this with us. Cool. So what day are we going to be here next week? What day are we not going to be here next week? Sunday. So please don't show up. So the, someone showed up yesterday thinking that this was, yesterday was a Saturday. And they're like, where's everybody? I'm like, well, we're all at home. <laughs> what are you doing there? So next Saturday, we'll be here at 4.30, continuing this thing. And then Sunday, stay home, watch the game. If you have to do church on Sunday, just open a Bible anywhere, boom, church, uh, and you're good to go. So tonight, I want to jump in. We're going to take an offering during this part. So if you're new, just let that slide right by. Please don't take anything out. That's not how this works. But uh, this is for those of us that call it home. Here's what I will say, too, is in my 40th year of life, uh, that may shock some of you, probably not at all, but uh, this is my 18th year of ministry. This, this journey of church planting, um, all we've said since about four months ago, when we started saying some pretty, um, I don't know, controversial things, or maybe even for some folks, uh, a, a line in the sand, some things that we started to say, hey, we're going to be this kind of community, we're going to be these kinds of people, we're going to literally open the doors to anyone and everyone, we want this to be a community where nobody is ever discriminated against by any means, those days have got to die, but we're going to make the right decision every time, no matter what it looks like. Uh, it's going to have some relational costs. It's going to have some financial costs. We will do everything. Let me say it this way. It has been a crazy journey. If you've been paying attention, uh, maybe you're brand new and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But for the past few months, it's been a wild ride. And it's been even a costly ride, I could say. And I will say without a doubt, 100%, we would do everything we've done. We could do it better but we would do it a million times over. And we're just going to continue to do what we believe is the right thing every single time, no matter what it costs us. If that's relational, if that's professional, what, it does not matter to us. We have just committed to you uh, and to our team. There's a team of 32 of us that um, a lot of them are hiding over taking care of your kids. Um, we just promise to keep doing the right thing. And never once will I ever ever, ever let finances drive something we do in this church, ever. It just, it won't. I won't buckle uh, or anything weird so that we can pay some bill. The bill just won't get paid. If that, that's, calm down. I'm just, I went too far on that illustration. But, but again, we do rent this place, by the way, so it doesn't matter. So today, I just want you to know, no matter what comes and no matter what we've been through, we would do that again a million times. We will always make what we feel like is the honest, most authentic Jesus-pleasing decision we can, even gross. Okay, so hey, can I ask you a question? Where are you from? I, I just I wanted to stop and recognize, where, where, where are you from? Uh, Gilbert, anybody from Gilbert in the house? Throw your hand up. Cool. Mesa, Mesa? Whoa, Whoa. Oh, Mesa, we got into a gang fight. Gilbert's going down. Okay, uh, Tempe, anybody driving over? Phoenix, Phoenix in the, Phoenix over in the back. Wow, okay. Uh, did I, who did I miss? Awatuke? Ch oh my gosh, Chandler, yeah, where we're sitting, you big idiot. That's me, the big idiot, not you, Heather, sorry. Uh, Chandler, anyone else? Where are you from? Queen Creek? Woo. Good, good. Did you clap for someone that exists in Queen Creek? Oh, for driving, yeah. I thought you were just like, they need some encouragement. They leave in Queen Creek. Uh, sweet. Anywhere? Did we miss anything? Just getting to know you. That's it? We covered it? Oh, beautiful. Anybody from Scottsdale? Oh, just me? Uh, I, am, I am from Scottsdale. I want to tell you a story about growing up in Scottsdale, and it's going to be a little bit different than what you're expecting. But to, just to kick this off, we're in this series called The Good News. All I'm trying to do is figure out with you what it is. What is the actual gospel? What's the good news? What do Christians have to offer? Is it actually good news? 
pause and think about what maybe you grew up hearing is the good news. Wait, is that good news? Or maybe you grew up hearing, kind of like I did once in a while because I never went to church, and I stumbled into this gig in my 20s. Um, you, you heard a few times what the gospel was, and you went, man, that's some terrible, 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 terrifying news. And you got it right out of the Bible. And so that's what we're doing for the first six weeks of this church's existence outside of Christmas Eve, uh, is just going back and going, wait, what is the gospel? So tonight, if you have a Bible, I'm going to be in Matthew 26. The, the first week we did this, I looked and I just said, okay, the gospel, this good news that Jesus uh, brought and taught and ushered in, it's, it was sort of like a defendant going free. It was sort of like somebody who was guilty being not guilty. You'll see that in the pages of scripture. And then the next week I said, all right, what is the gospel also? Well, it's also kind of like a relationship that's been reconciled or restored. So it was like a defendant going free, but it's also like a relationship getting reconciled. And we got really personal with that one. Maybe scared a couple people off because we're talking about real life human frustration and brokenness and how when that is fixed and broke, broken becomes beautiful and there's rest, reconciliation, that is a reflection of the gospel. So we started out with this like guilty Pauline theology of God is a judge and you should go to hell forever, but you're forgiven. Now it's this courtroom scene and that's good news. My sins are gone. Praise the Lord. The next one, it was like, okay, now you actually love me. You don't just love me, you like me. We're good. So what does that mean for my person next to me who I'm frustrated with and this brokenness I carry around and the shame that I carry around? Tonight is an easy one for all of us because it's happened to all of us. Um, I want to ask the question um, about those enemies that you've got. Um, how do you respond when someone becomes an enemy. Maybe that hasn't happened for you. Again, I grew up in Scottsdale. Not a whole lot of enemies in Scottsdale. Um, not a whole lot of drama in Scottsdale uh, anymore. But when, when I was growing up, man, I, have, I had so much that I recognized I had to unlearn. Maybe this is like you, and we're trying to do a children's ministry where we're not giving kids a bunch of things they have to unlearn when they get to the thinking ages. A lot of times people leave the church because they start thinking and they go, ah, well, there's, I'm not allowed to do that here. I'm just supposed to say yes and amen to everything I've been taught forever. And our kids are 20, 21 years old, and they're smart. They're 16, 14 years old, and they're going, wait, what? And they're unlearning some things that we've jammed into their minds. And we're trying. I had so much that I had to unlearn. And maybe you have the same story. I mean, I grew up... Uh, in South Scottsdale. I need to clarify as many times as I need to. There's a difference between everything north of uh, like uh, Fashion Square Mall and then everything south. Okay, north, you can leave your doors open. South, we're going to kick in the door. Uh, it's just, a, it's a scary little place to grow up. I'm telling you, it's scary. Okay, just believe me. Uh, it looks pretty, but it's, all right, so I grew up at Coronado High School. <laughs> no way, sweet. I, I had set up that awkward tension of me being the only one and then, what's up? So cool. You made it out too? Oh, man. Uh, Coronado High School, I grew up, and one guy said to one girl, wasn't his girlfriend, that she looked uh, uh, ugly or something uncreative. He said something about some girl that she wasn't pretty at Coronado High School. That girl happened to be dating a guy who worked on cars all day and was terrifying and covered in grease all the time. And he wore, like, one of those undershirts that you're supposed to wear as an undershirt. But he's like, this is good. Uh, tank top kind of undershirt. And he, wore, and he beat up that guy, this little itty-bitty pretty kid named Jason. Uh, Jason was my friend, though. And Jason got beat up for saying something dumb, but back in the day, we were a little bit tribal, a little bit just beige in our thinking, like, you beat my friend up. So we ended up beating up that guy. Uh, my boys, like, just beat up this guy, another guy named Jason. So there was the Jason fight, and then we beat up the bad Jason, uh, and then uh, it became this back and forth. Anytime we saw one of them somewhere or they saw one of us, it, it turned into a fight. I was working at Albertson's bagging groceries for 4.30 an hour, throwing fisticuffs because I was in this little drama scene. Make, I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to get carts, and I'm throwing blow. I'm actually getting hit a lot. Uh, and so it's fights everywhere are happening. At Supai Middle School, there's a brawl that took place one day in a parking lot with all of us. It was like the greasers and the socias, and I wasn't even a greaser. Dang it, I was a socia. And there was this, if you don't know what I'm talking about, where have you been? Anyway, so there's this brawl. And it's escalating into this madness until one day I'm on the 101, picture the 101, 
I'm in Scottsdale. I'm leaving Scottsdale, heading towards what doesn't even exist yet, Chandler. I'm going past the 202 intersection, heading south. And I'm in my 1990 Ford Escort, my very first car. Paid 2450 bucks for this pile of crap that would barely get me anywhere. Uh, and it was slow. Oh, my gosh, slow. So slow. Uh, I had to charge the battery every night in this thing. But it got me to... You know, you know, Albertsons or Jack in the Box or wherever I happen to be working in my best days. Um, and I, uh, I'm on the 101 with my buddy Lonnie. And I'm heading south. And this truck full of guys wearing those T-shirts pulls up next to us. And they're all inside of the truck and outside of the truck. You can fully picture this crowd. And we're, like, inside real pretty, like, all dressed up, going to some party at some place we've never been to. We're leaving Scottsdale. And we're on the road to this party, and they pull up on the left, and they go past us. But then they're like, and they see us and slow down and pull up next to us. And in the back of the truck is a kid named Justin who weighed like eight pounds, but he had the biggest mouth. It's always that kid. And, but then there was another guy named JJ. And we're Facebook friends now, so you should go look him up later. Uh, but it's JJ. You're already grabbing your phone. JJ is a beast. He already had tattoos. He was 16. I'm like, that's illegal. And he, had, he was terrifying to look at. He was just a scary human being. I was all mouth even then. Uh, and so I was the mouthpiece and the spokesman for our group. And so he hated me. Anytime there was fisticuffs, I was like play-by-play in that thing. Oh, and JJ goes down. Like, I was this annoying, you couldn't imagine this, but I was annoying, just obnoxious. You just wanted to punch this face in the 90s, and hopefully that's over. Um, But JJ's in the back of the truck, and he sees me like driving the Ford. (laughs) And I'm, I'm, I'm immediately scared, but Lonnie's in the car, and Lonnie's a psycho true to this day, just what are you thinking? And he's a terrifying human being. He spent a lot of years in prison later on. We didn't see that. Yeah, we did see that coming. Uh, he's in and out still, but Lonnie, I love this kid to death, but he would he'd take a bullet from me in a heartbeat, and I knew that. He wanted to fight them, and I wanted to run, but I'm in a 1990 Ford Escort. I cannot run. So we're driving along, and JJ, and they're like running us off the road, this kid in the truck, I don't even know who's driving at this point. Uh, we're down the 101, and we're approaching the 202, and I'm trying to swerve, and I'm trying to lose them. Follow me, because this is terrifying, but I'm, I played Mario Kart a lot, and so I'm tapping into these skills that I've adhered, and I finally figure out how I'm going to lose them. I go all the way left to the far left lane. Where are the cops? Uh, they found me every other day that I did these things, but not this day. I'm far left lane on the 101, and I swerve all the way right, and they're in front of us now because they're not going to let us escape. And then I, I fake left. I give a little bit of NBA, just a something. And he bites that, and I go right, and I get on the 202. I'm not supposed to be on the 202. I was going to a party in Chandler, but here I am now on the 202, and he can't do anything because it does this, like, split. Can you picture it? It, like, starts to swerve off. And we, I mean, I feel like a stud, even though I just ran from a fight. I feel like, what? And I'm getting away from JJ and all the other henchmen in the back of the truck. And I, I'm swerving away safely back to Scottsdale. And uh, I look over and I see JJ in the back of the truck. I'm going to send him this podcast. Hi, JJ. And, and I see um, he's propped himself up like on a knee. This is unsafe in the back of a moving truck on the, on the 101. And I see he gets up like this. And I'm like, what's he doing? And he has a crowbar in his hand, like one of those four-pronged one. What's that even called? A crow f- bar. Someone else. I failed Cub Scouts. Yes, so that terrifying thing that does all the things with your tires. And he takes it, and I'm like, he's not going to throw that. That's so dumb. Nobody would. Oh, my God. And he throws this crowbar at my Ford, throws it. We're going this way. He's going this way down to Chandler. And this thing comes, and I'm like, that's an amazing throw! And it's coming at me, and I'm thinking, there's no way! We're like 40 yards away, that kid didn't even play sports. And it comes in my window and lands in my backseat, true story. I think, oh, I should be dead! Whoa, I'm I'm terrified, but I'm also at that point triggered, because I'm an animal, and you nearly killed me. And so I figure out, all right, I'm going to get you back, but I don't have time. Because that night, they figure out where I live, and they smash my Ford to pieces. It's sitting in the front of this house. I'm a runaway. I'm staying at my buddy Dario's house. And they smashed it to the ground. They got out of the truck, hit it with bats until it was just like this broken piece of metal in the road. And they jumped back in their truck, and they took off. 
And so I remember my response was, oh, I'm an idiot, I'm an animal, and I gotta do something. You're my enemy, so I'm gonna get you back. And so I filled the next night a 64-ounce Circle K cup with beer and walked 4.3 miles to his house with a baseball bat that I won in a coloring contest when I was 10, by the way. Just wanted to throw that in. A Louisville slugger, and I dismantled his little 5.0 Mustang. And just by myself, like 2, 3 in the morning, I just hit the thing until it was no longer usable. And then I felt like, well, I won. It's over. And then a week later, they did a drive-by on the house where all of our friends hung out all the time. But they did it with shotguns, which is the most JV drive-by ever, because, like, the bullets just like, Ugh. Like, they did a terrible drive-by. I'm trying to make fun of a drive-by. You don't usually see this content in a church, but they did a drive-by on our house where we were, I wasn't even there, but they, a house full of men who are Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters. So that didn't go well either. And eventually I moved out of Scottsdale, and you can see why. I wanted to work at a church down the street, and I had to live. Do you see now, though, this extreme picture of Jason thinks you're unattractive, and so he's going to tell you you're unattractive, and that's going to lead to Jason getting beat up, and that's going to lead to, well, we have to do something now. We have to do something. We, well, now we have to respond because we've been wrong. Well, now we have to respond to what they just responded to, our response to the wrong that respond. All because Jason, and do you have anything like that in your life that you're like, wait, why are we mad at each other? Why is it like this? Why haven't I seen you in years? Why do I hate you? How do you typically, and just, this is just for you to sit with for a minute, we'll get into the text. Not at your best and not at your worst. How do you typically respond when someone wrongs you? Not at your best, not at your worst. What can you expect from you when someone wrongs you? How do you typically respond when someone clearly does something wrong? Now, let's look at Matthew 26. I'll have it on the screen for just a second. This story that I've told before, there are just a handful of talks that I want to do that I've done before. Most of everything that we've got planned for Prodigal is just new stuff. A lot of my old stuff just doesn't work anymore. But this does. And this is a beautiful picture of someone being wronged, doing it completely wrong, and then someone else doing it completely right, but it's going to look opposite, and you'll see that. Uh, if you're new to church, this is towards the end of Jesus' life. Uh, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to die. All of that's supposed to happen really soon. Peter doesn't know it's supposed to happen. Peter wants to stop it from happening. Peter is a guy who's been hanging out with Jesus for three years. And here comes some drama. Jesus even had people that didn't like him. They were plotting and planning an arrest. They wanted to get rid of Jesus because he was saying things that went against the powers that were at, you know, in prestigious positions. They wanted all the votes and all the people to love them. And Jesus is saying things that's divisive. And so they want to just kill him. They've tried a couple times, but Jesus is a bit of a ninja. But here's their moment. Matthew 26, verse 47. Jesus is he's there. He's teaching a little bit. He's talking. It says in verse 47, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, so one of the original disciples, um, arrived. And with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs. So picture it. you got to be in this story. Here's Jesus. He's with his disciples, minus one. Judas has left the group. He's no longer in this little group. He has betrayed, abandoned, and even partnered with who would, you know, most would perceive as the enemy of this group. Judas is over here bringing the mob with swords and clubs. Uh, and they've, they've arranged this. Now, Judas, the betrayer, had arranged a signal with them. He said, the one I kiss is the man. So this customary greeting, he says, go and rest, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, my friend. He's just like, keep the plan going. But Pete didn't know the plan. The <laughs> Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions, I love that Matthew's cool and like didn't put Peter's name in it, but John threw him under the bus, so it's Peter. One of Jesus' companions reached for his sword. So Peter has a sword uh, at youth group. Peter has a sword. He reached for his sword. He drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So be there. I mean, it's real life. This is a real human being named Peter who's standing next to someone he loves and respects and is trying to protect Jesus. And he's being wronged. But Jesus is just standing there. He's always just standing there. And so Peter's like, you're just going to stand there? You're just going to stand there? And he panics. Is anyone like Peter in the room? I'll fix this. 
right? Anyone like that? I've got this. If he's just going to stand there, and here comes Peter, and he brought a freaking sword to the, the huddle, the Jesus huddle. He's got a shank, not just like a little pocket knife, like, oh, check this. No, a sword. And what does he do? He goes, oh, it's going down. And he pulls the sword, and he sees this cat named Malchus. Another gospel tells us, M-A-C-A-M-A-L-C-H-U-S, Malchus. Uh, Malchus is like, mm, you're under arrest. And Peter's like, nope. And he swings. Where does he swing? Not at the ankle, not at the knee, not, you better back up. He swung at his face? I mean, if you, if you got commitment, you can go for the face. If you're just like kind of in, you're going to go back up. Peter swings, shanks a man in the face. Like aims at his head, Malchus goes, whoa, ear gone. That's what it says. Takes his ear off of his head. Now I've, uh, I've, I've been discouraged. Uh, the internet was invented and then my students, I was a youth pastor for like 48 years. Um, and I would see like first it was Facebook and then they were like locusts and just left. They just ate it and up and took off to Twitter. Twitter was a thing for a while with teenagers, and then they left because there's something else. And, but I, it was the age of Twitter where I go, I'd get online, and I'd, you know, have students that would follow the youth account, and they would say these things that would make me so grateful there wasn't a thing called Twitter when I was a teenager. Um, can you imagine having, like, an ongoing record of your thoughts from your teen years that's available in the Library of Congress? <laughs> like, kill me. <laughs> no, but this right there, their subconscious, coming out all day. And I'd get discouraged when my students would post like vulgar things online. But then one day I remembered that Peter stabbed a guy when he was in Jesus' youth group, and I felt a lot better about my kids. I was like, how many of them have stabbed? No, no, nobody shanked anyone in the head. And so here's Jesus having to go over to like the bush and grab Malchus's ear and walk it back over to Malchus, who's, yeah, you know, that ringing noise. He's got it like amplified. And then Malchus is just sitting there bleeding. Everybody's watching Peter's, <laughs> You know, that kind of maniac, right? Because you just stabbed a guy. You're capable of stabbing more guys. And he's got his ear, and Jesus puts it back on Mal's, Mal, I guess we're buddies, Mal's face and heals him. But before, like, I don't see it in the text, but man, don't you chastise Peter? Don't you hold the, the ear up with, like, bark on it, leaves, and go, really? Like, this is, after three years, this is what you're doing? After three years of following Jesus, Peter is still stabbing people. How's your walk? You feel bad? You carrying shame around like a big black bag? If you're here two weeks ago, that makes sense. Have you stabbed anyone lately? If so, it's called Prodigal Church. You're welcome here, but stop. Peter is here three years later. He's got Jesus. You're stuck with me. He's got Jesus teaching him, walking with him every day. And here's actually how he actually responds. He says after you know, fixing this guy. Put your sword back in its place. Can we please listen? Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And then he says this. Don't you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Don't you know that right now, Jesus is standing there just calm and cool, looking kind of like a pansy because there's a fight going on, and he's just looking at his Birkenstocks, doing nothing. And he looks at Peter, and he just says, don't you think that right now I could call on my father and say, why don't you send me, a, I don't know, 12 legions of angels? I'll do the math for you. That's 72,000 angels. Uh, if you flip to the left, I'm not sure it's a literal account, I really don't think it is, but on the left, I don't want to get into a theological debate tonight, but there's an account of one angel, and I forget the number, one angel apparently was capable of decimating like 150,000 men at one time, and again, I'm not sure I'm reading into that as a literal account, but it says one angel showed up and just wiped out like mm, Chandler, one angel, and Jesus goes, I have 72,000 with their shoes on ready to go, but you have a sword? Do you, do you really, now here, here's the moment, this may be the most important. Who appears strong? It's not a trick question. You're watching the movie. Who appears strong? Peter. He's got a sword, he's so heroic, there's Braveheart music playing. Oh, this is so good. Oh, oh, oh. 
who appears weak? The guy just standing there, doing nothing. Who appears strong? Who appears weak? Who is actually incredibly strong? And who is showing themselves to be incredibly weak? Here's what I do know, and maybe you know this too. Just think. It is easy to start swinging. It's easy to start swinging when you're wronged. This text is showing me that Peter had it just in his DNA. It was default setting. I'm going to swing and I'm going to respond. It's, but it's easy. Every single one of us knows that the easy thing to do is something. you got to respond. You're just going to sit there. You look weak. Do you know what people are saying? Do you know what this is? Don't you know? Don't, do, do you need me to remind you what you could say to them? I mean, because the easiest thing to do is what? Something. You've got that, like, gossip grenade that you've just been holding on to. You could pull the, the pin on that and just throw it right into the conversation. You've got that truth about them that actually is true. They said something about that to you that's not true. So all you need to do is just throw this truth grenade right into the timeline, into the conversation. You've got to do something, right? The easiest thing to do is just, they just cut you off, honk. Anybody this happened? I mean, this week this happened to me. I was like, sermon illustration. A guy came onto the freeway, did not care about any other human being on the planet, took my lane from me when I was in it, and I just I had to get off the lane and into, like, the side lane thing. What is that? You're supposed to, like, break down there. And I look over, and I honked for my life, like, yo, you're going to kill me. That's what the horn's for, by the way. It's supposed to save your life, not just annoy people. So I was like, yo, human being. And I look over, and he's like, <laughs> he's laughing at me. And I was like. How do you respond when psychos take your lane and laugh at you in the moment? What do you do? Now, be real honest. It's prodigal church. The middle finger's coming up for some of you. You're shouting something. Some of you are hanging out the window. Some of you, you're already there. You have arrived, and you're like, oh, it's okay. Misunderstanding, grace, and peace. Take my lane. No, <laughs> why did you laugh? <sighs> Can we just take a breath and do real work for a second and go, it's easy to respond, but how is that going? How is the back and forth in your life going of getting even, getting the last word when someone does something to wrong you, to fix it, to say something, to do something? Now, think about that. Don't carry shame with that, but just go, maybe there's a better way. Ta-da, Matthew chapter 5. This church will live in Matthew chapter 5. Just get comfy, take your shoes off at Matthew chapter 5. It's just so beautiful. Jesus, by the way, saved your soul, and it turns out he's brilliant. Matthew 5, 5, this isn't going to come uh, and feel right at first because it's going to sound weird. It says this, blessed are the meek. <laughs> yeah. Blessed are the meek. What are you, who are you picturing from the seventh grade right now? The kid, the meek one. Blessed is that kid. For they will inherit the earth. You're right. Like this is Jesus. It's early in Matthew. He's just laying the groundwork for his teaching, and he's got a bunch of blesseds. These are people that are fortunate, that are living right. These are the ones that God's favor rests upon them. And Jesus drops this line and says, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those with meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they're going to inherit everything. <laughs> Does that make anyone else laugh? Because they're not taking over. We're going to conquer the world. <laughs> like the meek group on Facebook is taking over. Like that's the crowd. That, that's what Jesus said. These are people that are meek. Now, if these are people that are blessed, listen, if these are people that are blessed, then these are people that are in some way like Jesus. So we have to ascertain again that Jesus was meek. We can see that in his life. But he wasn't, hi, he wasn't that kind of meek, like take my lunch money meek. He was a different kind. Blessed are the meek must mean something different than what your American mind wants to say meekness is. Because what it is is meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is, I could, but I'm not going to. Meekness is, I have this. I'm going to put that grenade down. Meekness is, I know something about you. And I'm not going to say anything. Meekness is strength restrained. I love it put that way. Meekness is, I'm not playing that game. Meekness is, I don't want to keep that game going. So I'm going to be stronger 
by not participating. Now, one more, just real quick. I'm going to read these verses really fast because it's just a, it's a teaser for what's coming later. But here's Jesus. You've heard that it was said. This is his ministry. He keeps doing this. You've heard that it was said. And what he's doing is he's going to the left in the Bible, and he's going, you memorized some things about me. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You've heard that. You read that in the scriptures. But I tell you. So he just changes it. You've heard that it was said. But I tell you, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, no, no, no. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. It's amazing to see what theologians try to do with that verse to make it like not say what it actually really, really says. Well, when you turn the other cheek, it makes it hard for them to slap you again. Okay. Or Jesus is saying something that sounds so counterintuitive. If anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Uh-oh. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor. Sounds good. And hate your enemy. But I tell you, man, what if we just got this one right? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? At the time, those were like kind of the worst people in people's eyes. He's like, they even pull that off. They love each other. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? He's like, don't even pagans do that? People outside of the church, they've got that figured out. That's easy. And then he goes, just be perfect. That's helpful. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Uh, pause. This is not saying stand there and be abused and just let the abuse happen. You'll never hear that from us. That isn't saying just stand there and take it, just be a punching bag for Jesus and souls will be saved. That's not, it's not what we're saying. But what we are looking at tonight is Jesus teaching us clearly that it's possible. Um, it's possible that when something is done to you, something evil is done to you, that you can respond and become the evil that was done to you. Like the invitation is to not become the evil that was done to you. To step back and go, wait, 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 I've seen this game play out. And what happens is someone who's wronged can have the capacity to become just as destructive as the person who wronged them. This is saying don't become just as destructive as the person that hurt you. It's a lose-lose game. That's why Jesus said, if you play this game, you die by this game. Don't become the evil that was done to you. Nobody wins this game. Blessed are the meek because they can stand back with the strength to engage and not play the game. And what this does is it keeps this evil in circulation. Are we tired of this yet? Are we tired of this retaliatory idea where we can redeem this with more violence? You did violence to us. What we need to do is, like, take off your America cap for just a minute. Zoom back out, like, maybe 13 million years or at least 2,000 to this moment with Jesus, the creator, sustainer, redeemer of all things, going, this violence for violence game will never end and you'll never win. How many of us right now are even fighting that in our hearts? You're like, no, nah, you don't get it, bro. You don't know what they did. We have to, right? All of this comes up in my heart, my mind too. And if I could admit to you, like, I'm a pacifist until you try to hurt my family. That's where I wrestle. You go after Hadley, I'm going to make it hard for you to breathe. That's my number one goal. If you're hurting my wife, good night. That's where your pastor's at tonight. And you're, like, you're not my pastor, I'm visiting. Fantastic. Hope you come back. But I'm just, real life, that's my gritty, like, raw, like, you break into my house, you kind of forfeited your right to life if you're pointing a gun at me. That's still where I am. So I'm wrestling with it, like, wait, 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 wait. I love this meekness. I love strength restrained. Most of the time, nobody's hurting your family. Most of the time, most people aren't kicking in your door. Most of the time, it's something where you actually can choose whether you're going to engage or disengage. And you can actually choose to go, it can play its own game. I'll be over here living my life. Listen, you'll always, always, always be able to justify playing the game. You'll always have a really good reason. You'll always have one. Every time you swing back or respond, you will always, is this bothering anyone? Because you will. You'll have a really good reason why. And Jesus is just standing here today in this moment going, resist that urge. It's an urge. 
It's an impulse. It's a crowbar. It's a baseball bat. It's a tweet. It's a look. It's a lawsuit. Resist that urge. And here's what this took me so long to learn. Because I grew up trying to be a tough guy. You know, that ship sailed. But, <laughs> but it, it actually takes more strength to resist the urge. Anyone battling any sort of addiction in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like that takes it to a varsity level. You tapped into some sort of strength you didn't know was there. And you can step back and go, man, this impulse is strong. Man, I want to participate. Man, I want to partake. It takes more strength to, uh, let me just lead the way in this, to swallow your ego when someone speaks against you than to respond. Swallow your ego. Don't respond. You find more strength. It takes more strength, Jesus says, to bless someone when they curse you than to curse them back, even no matter, like it's an eight-mile level curse. Like it, it takes more strength. Lost y'all. You guys, I'm way hipper than you. It takes more strength. I threw an Eminem reference out there, and y'all missed it. It takes more strength, though, to say to someone a blessing or to wish them well than to wish them harm. That's what we covered last week. It takes more strength to love your enemies and to pray for them than it does to perpetuate whatever it is between the two of you. It takes more strength. And I, I realized where a little bit of this, had, I won't even tell you that. I, I've told the story before, years ago. Um, it was on this street. I was at Chandler Fashion Center Mall um, shopping for, like, black shirts. And uh, I, uh, I was there by myself. I don't know how in the world I pulled that off, but I was. Uh, and I, I'm, I love this. I love you. love people. But I also really love just me sometimes. And I'm an introvert, so I'm by myself at the mall shopping. And I get a phone call. And it's from my wife. And it's one of those where it's like right away something's wrong. And she's like screaming, kind of crying, panicking. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? There's a guy following me. That's what she says. What? So there's this guy that's been following her. And she, this is kind of a crazy coincidence because we lived in Gilbert at the time. Um, but he's, he's like right here. He's on Alma School Road. And she's on Alma School Road too. And she's driving. And she tells me the story. He's following me. I can't lose him. You're trying to lose him and he's following you. And he's in a big truck. He's in a bed. I can't really see him because it's so high. And all this stuff. She's screaming at me in the phone. And, and uh, she's explaining to me what happened. And I say, have you called the police? And she says, no, I called you. I was like, good. So I was like, where are you? She said, I'm, I'm going to try to get away. I'm going to go to Queen Creek and Alma School. I know exactly where that's at. That's literally like two miles from here. I'll be there in a minute. And so I hang up the phone, which I, I, I don't really know why I did that. I probably should have stayed on the phone with my wife. But uh, I hung up the phone, and I'm, all I'm thinking is, like, what's happened? All, the only information I have is a male human being uh, is following my wife, like, cutting her off and intimidating her, and he, she can't get away. That's all the information that I have for my bride, my wife at the time. And uh, at the time, I don't know why I said that. It's still bride. Uh, <laughs> But she's driving down the road. Her mom's in the car. A little girl is in the car. A preteen girl is in the car. Uh, that's it. So a bunch of, bunch of girls in this car driving down the street. And she apparently, like, cut this guy off accidentally. There was construction happening. It's always happening. And she didn't swerve fast enough or she didn't break. Do the right. Whatever she did, she got in this guy's way. And he the horn thing wasn't working for this poor guy. And he's honking at my wife, trying to correct her, teach her how to be a you know, good driver. And he's just verbally road raging out on my, my wife. It's my wife. And I'm driving, like, you know, the speed limit out of the mall. <laughs> and I, I, I swerve, get down Price, turn left on Queen Creek, and I get there, and I get into the parking lot. She's parked right out in front of Chipotle, and she's kind of sideways and crooked, and she's teared up. And I'm looking around like, da -da -da -da. like, what's about to happen? Am I ready for this? You just assaulted my wife. There are very few things that, you cannot offend me. Say whatever you want about me. I just, I love you still. Like, grace and peace. You cannot offend me. Unless you assault my wife. Because what I didn't know at the time is that he had taken a glass bottle and thrown it at her. And it shattered at her feet. And she, the girl's got moves. She got out of the way. But he, th you threw a bottle at my wife? Whew. Fun story, huh? Unless it's your actual story that you're living right in the middle of. And I said, where is he? He left. Oh. That's good. 
which is why right now in this moment I am uh, not leading a thriving prison ministry, uh, and, and instead I'm with you. That's real life where I was in that moment of like, bye. If he's there and he's like giving it to my wife, like giving her a little sh- whatever he's going to try to do, dude, bye. God, bye, bye, bye. Grace, grace precedes repentance, whatever theology I need to pull on this one. Dude. If you want a more mature pastor, you have a million options. But that's where I was when this story took place. I wanted to hurt this man. I said, did you see what he was driving? Yeah, a red pickup. Okay, all right. There's not a ton of those. Did you get his license plate? She says, yes. You did? Yeah. Okay, so here's, here's the real true story. Um, do you have, like, notes? Are you taking notes? Are you writing anything down? Do you have a pen, a phone? I've memorized his license plate. Not, not a sermon joke. You want to know what it is? It's, I should just get the tattoo. It's Leviticus. Uh, do you want it's, are you ready? I need your help. Write this down. I'm dead, like fake it. Act like you're doing something for me because I want you to write it down. Dead serious. It's AEP 9075. If you work in law enforcement, you can find it right away. Just text me. Uh, AEP 9075. AEP, I'm not joking. He's going to say it wrong because he doesn't really. AEP 9075. AEP 9075. Not trying to be cute. That's this dude's license plate. A man who decided that it was okay. I mean, if you, my, my wife is just like, if you're just even an idiot caveman, you're going to probably look at, I'm not one of those smoking hot wife. My wife is really pretty. Like, like right? You've seen her and you're like, oh, yeah, she's very, 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 very pretty. I'm surprised this dude wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> like, it's okay. Uh, he should have been flirty, but instead he was hostile. So AEP 9075, I asked myself, AEP 9075. Not looking at my notes, AEP 9075. And I asked myself, what would I do if I ever saw him again? What would I do? What should I do? Call the police, right? Okay. Um, pray for him. Um, count your blessings, pull some fortune cookie thing at me. Uh, what would, and wouldn't you know, I just so happened to be at Queen Creek and Alma School not long after, and I hear bass. <laughs> That's not my heart. That's bass coming, pulls in front of me, and it's a red lifted pickup truck. Not the best paint job, kind of a dusty red. And I see this kid pull up, got an elbow out, lean way back. And he's got a hat, like way up, a black hat, sticker still on it. I saw the sticker because that's what the cool kids do. He's got it way up. And I look over at him, and he looks at me. He looks over at me, and he sees me, and I see his license plate. He, like, looked back and saw me, and I saw the man. And there he was. And I was like, oh, this is a miracle. This is Old Testament style. This is like, I have delivered thine enemies into your hands. Do with them what you may. And I'm, like, singing a song in my heart of, like, thanksgiving to the Lord. Like, you brought this kid, this chumpy, skinny, little, pretty kid. He's probably 20, 25, whatever. He was legal to beat up. And here he is right in my presence. Don't do that. But understand, as a man, as a... I'm so tough. This, all of this guy was in the car looking at this kid. And he gave me like a nod. I was like, you nodded at me? Do you even know who you nodded at? You you ever had a moment in your life you don't even know you nodded at someone who wanted to just bless you? (laughs) And I thought, man, nobody will know. I live in Gilbert. What am I doing? How did I even end up in Chandler? But... Nobody will know I'm going to follow him home, throw a brick in his window. That's it. Minimum. Not going to beat him up. I'm a pastor. I get paid by a big church. Don't do that. Pastor in the East Valley is arrested. You don't want that headline, right? Or strangle. Don't do that. But the minimum I can do is key his car, dude, right? Like just when he goes inside, like, ha, 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 even. Some of you think I'm a lunatic. I'm just a storyteller. Uh, so here, I could at least, like, th- throw him a slushie on it. Bleach his yard, something, anything. I could follow him home. And in that moment, at a red light, I had everything in my hands. I was feeling really strong. And the light turned green, and he went straight, and I went left. And I'm telling you, you don't know what that feels like until you do it. But it was the strongest moment of my life. I've never felt stronger than when I turned left and let him go down the street. 
And I've never had more regret about it in my life. So I need you to find him. <laughs> this is your homework. I made a mistake. Find him. He's going to be at Borrows soon or getting gas. At You've got to find him and call me, 480-239-9377. Hit me up. Text me. I found AEP 9075. He's here. Come on, Ryan. I'll record it. You're going to jail, but it's cool. No, 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 no. Uh, I want you to find him. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to figure out a way to bless him. Figure it out. you got to figure something out. I mean, like, give him 20 bucks. I'll pay you back up to, like, just 20. Okay, don't go any higher. Than otherwise, I'll be like, thanks a lot. That's I've only had 20. Give him money, buy his food, buy his, it's got to be a Frappuccino. Get that kid a Frappuccino. Get whatever you got to do to bless him. Why? Because you know what made me turn left? Is I remember this moment that when Jesus, when he was, when he was hated, I went through and just looked at everything that happened to him. And the moment hit me like a, an epiphany. When Jesus was hated, all of this is just a chronological account of what happened in his last moments. Hated, questioned, betrayed. He was rejected, deserted, denied. He was spit on. Don't you spit on me. Punched, slapped, mocked. He was crowned with thorns. They stripped him half naked and left him humiliated. They insulted him. They beat him. All in front of his mom, by the way. They lied about him and falsely accused him. Him, eventually convicted him, condemned him, crucified him, and as he's up on a cross, half naked, about to die, they're dealing away his clothes like it's some sort of little casino, some sort of joke down here, rolling dice for his clothes. They're mocking him over here, and he's up there pierced next to some guy who did something deserving a cross. Jesus didn't. And here's the moment in Luke 23, this kid sitting next to him on a cross decides to go big after mocking and beating and blindfolding him and all the insults and all of that. They put this guy, look at 23, verse 34, I think it is, there it is. There's this kid, watch what this interaction is. All that happened, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they kept dividing up his clothes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A few verses later, one of the criminals who hung there, verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. He wasn't throwing anything, his hands were stuck. But he's shouting. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Not Jesus, the other criminal. Don't you fear God? You will when you're about to die, apparently, this guy thinks. Since you're under the same sentence, he says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you're going to burn. Oh, that's not what it says. No, today Jesus told that kid that deserved to be there. Who just had a moment of like, hey, will you remember me whenever what's about to happen happens? I think I'll be somewhere around that. Will you just remember me? Yeah, today, today, you're going to be with me, not just somewhere fun, but with me in paradise. Not you're guilty and you're going to burn. When the world threw its worst, when, it, when we threw our absolute worst at Jesus, his response was forgiveness and invitation. Father, forgive them. Today, you'll be with me. It takes more strength to forgive and to bless than to damn and to curse. We have a perfect illustration in the life and the death of Jesus. This forgiveness and invitation, please hear this message from a personal place. Please hear this from a professional place. Please hear this from a political place. Let this idea seep into every area of your life. If Jesus is actually who he says he is, and he's capable of what he's actually capable of, and he chose the path of meekness, that when you're tempted to draw your sword, you probably should trust that the way of Jesus is best. When you're tempted, because others did, 
What would it look like for you to be prepared, prayed up, to be able to say, I'm going to respond with, with grace and love, or at a minimum, I'm just going to back up and let that die. I'm not going to let evil continue. I refuse to keep evil in circulation. I'm done with this game. You can play all day if you want. I'm, a, I'm done. Like lay that over whatever your thing is, man. It's hard because you're, especially if you're, I don't know what it's like for the ladies. You're, you're way more creative than we are. You're just like, ah, the men just want to fight and fire people. Your ladies, you're good at this too. You, you know you and what you might want to do with this. I, I want Matt to come up because he has this, um, this incredible song and this incredible prayer. You don't need to do anything special or spiritual. You just interact with this, this word of God, the living word of God, Jesus, who's speaking a better way about how to be human. And this song that he's going to sing, I think, is just a perfect song. And he's got this thing he's going to do with you, too, that you just get to participate with and from your seat quietly. Um, that I think is going to be really helpful. Um, but it's as meaningful and it's as powerful as you allow it to be. So in this moment, with this message, with this thought, with this idea of this meekness and that person or those people, that situation that's on your mind, would you just let this speak? Let the Lord speak even over you. What? What would someone in your situation do if they were convinced that the way of Jesus is actually best? Let me pray for us. So Jesus, we gather and we get to decide for ourselves if we believe you or not. And you know that we can justify things. You've given us creative minds that come up with creative ways of justifying all sorts of things. But whatever the sword is that we're holding and maybe tempted to swing or we've been swinging our whole life, would you, in whatever way you can, invite us to put it down? Just to put it down. Just to put it away. And when we would do that, that it would be a reflection of the gospel, but that it would also be a healing thing, a powerful thing for us as we discover that the way of Jesus is best, that we don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to be that kind of strong, that we can maybe even see that weak is the new strong. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to share a prayer with you guys uh, that has been meaningful uh, for me recently. Uh, it's called the Prayer of St. Francis. We're going to throw it up on the screen. Um, we're going to kind of meditate on this in a few different ways. But one of the ways uh, that I want to do that is by us all reading it together. Um, so if you would read this for me, we'll start. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. 